0: couple of things I'll mention. First of all, one service next week. We go from uh, two services to one. We will have a instrumental devotional, uh, probably in the fireside room. We'll see how many people show up at uh, 9.30, and then the worship service will be at 10 o'clock, and I hope that you come and are greatly blessed by that. Second thing is that there is a Um, ministry leaders lunch on june 24th next sunday Uh, we're going to have kevin and steve are going to present some things to the ministry leaders having to do with our ministry here our ministry system and we want all of our ministry leaders to come so if you're a ministry leader we'd love to have you come next week that's that lunch if you could rsvp to hope and let her know that you're coming that would be absolutely wonderful you can see from the new banner that we're starting a new series today, Ministering in the Way of Jesus. I was listening to John do the Lord's Supper this morning. He did an I am statement, which was perfect. I thought, this guy is theologically centered, right where he needs to be in terms of our church. It was just fantastic. And uh, we're going to continue to grow, I hope, and and develop in terms of our understanding who Jesus is, especially in relationship to his Father and The whole notion of Trinitarianism and all that it's a beautiful concept and God can bless us richly through that but today we're going to move into a new theme for the summer ministering in the way of Jesus and the idea is that because of who Jesus is because he has such status because he is the I am we're going to try to pattern ourselves after Christ in terms of the way that we minister in our church and so we're going to look at a few scriptures this morning that kind of focus on who Jesus is, what it is that he does, and why it is that Jesus is so compelling in terms of his own ministry. Why is it that we would want to follow Jesus anyway? It is partially because of who he is with the uh, statement like, I am, but it's also because of the way in which Jesus ministers, the way that he deals with humankind and, uh, and their infirmities and problems, and just his, his wonderful nature. As he goes about ministering to others. So uh, we're just going to look at some scriptures here. And I hope that you're blessed by this this morning. Turn first of all to Matthew chapter 4 verse 18. And I think if I remember right it's on page 683 in the Pew Bibles. Or in the Bibles underneath the seats. I think it's 683. If it's not somebody else can shout out the number and let me know for sure what it is. But Matthew chapter 4 anyway. And this is the calling of the first disciples. And this is not, by the way, the first occasion when Jesus meets these guys. He does have a a, a chance to meet them earlier than this. If you were to look at the first couple of chapters of the Gospel of John, you would find Jesus meeting disciples earlier than this. And so it's not so much a shock that he walks along the seashore and they see him and then just like that, without hardly any warning, they follow him. And you think, well, how is it they could just follow him with no, you know, no prior contact? But there was some prior contact. They, could, they already had known Jesus a bit. Verse 18 says, as Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers. Simon called Peter and his brother Andrew. They were casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. And then Jesus says, and, and, he, and he says this not just to them, but he says this to us. He says, come, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Now, we always, and we should always, think in terms of reaching out to others with the good news of Jesus. But what's compelling about this to me is just the fact that Jesus had that kind of heart. Like, he wasn't just saying to us, I'm going to make you fishers of men. He was a fisher of men himself. He longed for people to be with him. He wanted relationship with them. He wanted them to know him. He wanted them to love him. He wanted to minister to them in significant ways. Now, when we talk about ministering in significant ways, Jesus had this so much at, a, at his heart. And it it attracts us, it compels us, it moves us to be what he is, I think. Here he is reaching out to these people, and we need to reach out to others. You know, I've told this story before, uh, at the risk of uh, possibly grotesking, uh, how do you say this, having, grossing out everyone? Yeah, okay, that's the way it is. Like, I've told this story before, about the time that the fellow in the wheelchair came into the building. You remember this? He came in, and I don't know what exactly he had. I don't know if it was cerebral palsy. I'm not sure what it was that put him in a wheelchair. It could have been advanced MS. I've, I've, I've seen him a few times, but haven't talked to him a whole lot more after this incident. But he came in in a wheelchair, and he said, I need some help. Okay? what You know, what's the nature of the problem? And he said, he said, my workers... And he said, actually, my worker and my wife are over at the building, or uh, building, at the uh, mall. And he said, I need to go to the washroom, and I need help, but they can't go into the public washroom and help me. So he said, I'm hoping that somebody here from the church can help me. And as it turned out, uh, it, was, it wasn't that he just needed to find the washroom or something. He was literally covered from his ankles to the bottom of his back with what all of us have to experience sometime as diarrhea. And this poor gentleman who couldn't really communicate, like he he said this to me like this, he said, I need some help, was how he talked to me. Because that was all he could do to speak. And he, with words like that, explained to me what the problem was. So I walked down the hall. Peter Roberts was in his office and I said, Peter, come on. You and I are going to do some ministry. <laughs> and so we went and we took this fellow to the washroom and we we cleaned him up. And it took us a long time because he was absolutely covered. And he couldn't walk. He was in a wheelchair. He was incapable of Of walking or standing on his own we had to hold him we had to take his pants off of him we had to completely clean him up we had to do the best we could with the with these filthy clothes and put them back on him afterwards and in one sense i mean i you know the whole time i'm sure peter I, i i remember thinking to myself this is this is quite an event you know um i haven't had to do that ever with another adult male. And in, th- in this case, I was, de- or female for that matter. Um, I, w- I was having to do this w- with this person that I didn't even know and then who was n- not really able to communicate verbally and then who couldn't even stand to help us. But the the reason why I did that wasn't because he came in and because I happened to be the minister here and It's my job or something like that. It's because at that moment, I knew that this is what Jesus called his children to. That he called us to serve humankind. And there's something about the ministry of Jesus itself which is so compelling. How could one possibly say no? When asked simply to serve in the way that Jesus wants us to serve. If Jesus was here, he would have done it. And we need so often to be willing to answer a call because part of answering that call is we're we're ministering to humankind. We're being fishers of men. We're going to other people and communicating to them something of the goodness of Jesus. Now I want you to turn to Matthew chapter 9. Just a few chapters over. And I want you to look at verse 9. It says, As Jesus went on from there, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at the tax collector's booth. Follow me, he told him, and Matthew got up and followed him. While Jesus was having dinner at Matthew's house, many tax collectors and sinners came and ate with him. And his disciples. And when the Pharisees saw this, they asked his disciples, why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? Like what Jesus was doing just seemed totally out of character with what any religious person would do. The tax collectors were not thought of in any kind of positive way. And so how is it that Jesus is spending time with them? Tax collectors and and sinners. On hearing this, Jesus said, it is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. But go and learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. For I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. And so Jesus calls us not just to minister to people who need our assistance, so that we're just seeking humankind, trying in some way to minister to human beings wherever they might be, but in this case, specifically, those who are sinners. And that's great news, because I'm one of those. And I'm really grateful that somebody decided that I was worthy to hear the gospel and to call me to be what Jesus wanted me to be. I'm grateful that Jesus continues to take me back despite my sinfulness now. And he actually loves me and cares for me. And then he calls me to minister to others who are in the same boat as me, who have no right at all to stand before the Lord of glory. And yet, despite the fact that I have no right to stand before the Lord of glory, he takes me back, he loves me, and then he calls me to do exactly the kind of thing that he does in calling sinners to repentance. Because that's who Jesus is. Now I want you to turn to Acts chapter 4, verse 13. Don't don't go away from Matthew. We're going to be back there really fast. But just for a sec, Acts chapter 4, verse 13 and you don't need, i mean if you don't want to turn there that's okay this will be quick this call comes at a time when peter and john had been arrested and they're talking about how they're trying to serve god rather than men and the sanhedrin the high priests others are challenging them on all of this and th- these guys are trying to figure out how it is that these men are doing what they're doing and why. And in verse 13, it simply says, when they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished and they took note. And what's the next few lines say, the next few words? They took note that these men had been with Jesus. And here's the question. Are we being with Jesus? Are we with him? Are we allowing Jesus, who he is, to call us and impact us so much that we end up ministering and being like Jesus? And I can't really think of anything in our church that is more important than this. Like if I was to say to anybody in our church. What's the most important thing. That we should do as Christians. And you might say well we need to glorify God. We need to honor God in everything that we do. Like those are wonderful things for sure. But if you were to say. We need to be like Jesus. You wouldn't be wrong. And to be with him. And then to be like what you see. In him, what you experience in him, the oneness that you have with him that teaches something about in in your heart and your person to be like him. I I just can't think again of anything that would be more wonderful than to say, wow, we're all like Jesus in the way that we serve other people. Okay, then I want you to go back to Matthew chapter nine and we'll spend the rest of our time here. Matthew chapter 9, and there's, there's just this great line about what it is that Jesus does as he ministers. It says in verse 35, and we've seen this many times now, you, you'll remember this is the, this is the end of, of bookends, like I've talked before about 4.23 and 9.35, they're bookends, and in between all the things in between those two bookends talk about what Jesus is and what, what he does and how he ministers, and 9.35 is the end of that. It says, Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the good news of the kingdom, and healing every disease and sickness. If we were to just stop there and spend some time thinking about what it means to do those things, we'd be in good shape. But then it says, when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them, because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. And then he says to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. Man, that is a direct call for us to minister in the name of Jesus. And I want you to notice what verse 30 says, sorry, verse 36 says about Jesus' attitude toward the people with whom he's ministering. It says, when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Now, here's what I see all the time. Like, I'm not going to say that the fellow in the wheelchair was harassed, but he certainly was Helpless. Like, he could not do anything, really, on his own to fix his situation. And I'm not sure Peter and I were able to really fix his situation. But he was absolutely helpless, and he needed someone. And every day, every day, people in our church experience other people who are helpless. Oftentimes, it is people who come by the building. Like, you could ask Dustin whether or not he ever meets anybody in his daily life here at the church building who is helpless in terms of really moving forward in life. All the time. All the time. We meet people constantly who just seem to not be able to move forward. And what they need in their helplessness more than anything else, they certainly need us to minister to them but what they need more than anything else is jesus they need christ to minister to them he is the only possible source of life for these people the only way that things are ever going to become good for them is for jesus to become part of their lives and you and i are supposed to have the same kind of compassion for others that it says that jesus had for these people he had incredible compassion for them You know, it's almost the, I'm going to say this, it's almost the American way, and I don't know so much the Canadian way, but as an American, I can say it's almost the American way to say, let people do it on their own. People are independent. People are free. People should be able to do it by themselves, and I grew up in the West Coast in Oregon where that maybe is more present as an attitude than just about any place in the United States. It's no wonder that that corner of Northwest, Oregon, Washington, is the least churched place in the United States because these people have such an attitude of independence. They came out on the Oregon Trail. They got onto wagon trains with horses and flies and disease, and it was long and it was tough, and they made it across, and they did it by themselves. And in their independency, they sometimes think they don't need anyone. But we meet people here every day who do need someone. And we just can't say, ah, let them do it themselves. This is their responsibility, not mine. Jesus seemed to be saying this is my responsibility. And so he had compassion. And he saw them as helpless. And he grieved because they were harassed. And because he grieved that they were harassed, he wanted to reach out and to help. Again, you have opportunity every day in your life somehow somewhere you know somebody who is helpless you probably are thinking of someone right now who really could use your help and there may be reasons why you hesitate i don't know what they would be but there might be reasons why you would hesitate And all the while, Jesus is calling us not to hesitate. But to make a sacrifice of your time. Make a sacrifice of your trouble. You know, so often it seems like these people are just trouble for us. They're in our way. I'm trying to get something accomplished here. And Jesus seemed to be saying, no. We need to have compassion. And we need to help the helpless. And we need to bless them. So are we going to minister in the way of Jesus? I certainly hope that we do. And it it makes me wonder what the possibilities are if we really do start ministering in the way of Jesus. Like, if that was our constant attitude, if you woke up in the morning and said, today, and sometimes I know we say, what would Jesus do? Or, you know, today I'm going to try and live for Jesus, whatever. But what if we got up every morning and we said, today I'm going to minister in the way of my Lord, the one who's the master of my life that I say rules my life the one who's going to instruct me in everything that I do. Today, I'm going to minister in the way of that one. How would it change your to-do list? Especially if you said, this is top priority. I'm not defined by my secular profession. I'm not defined by just my familial role. Instead, for today, I'm going to be defined by how I minister in the way of Jesus. What if you did that for a a while? How would that change you? How would it change the world around you? If all of a sudden you were just ministering in the way that Jesus ministered to others and you just did it consistently, you would change. You would be a different person. And the people around you would be greatly influenced by the way in which you ministered to others. Now I know you got to take yourself off the throne and put Jesus on the throne. I understand that. Sounds kind of difficult to do. But that's exactly what he calls us to do. And I know that all those aspirations that you have, you might kind of have to make those number two. Or three or four as you focus instead on what it is that Jesus wants you to do and to minister in his way did it what if we all did it how significant would things change for us if we did that i want you to turn to mark 10 we'll finish with this this morning Now, I want you to keep in mind what I just said about take yourself off the throne and put Jesus on. And does that change things? Verse 35, then James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came to him. Teacher, they said, we want you to do for us whatever we ask. That's an interesting question. What do you want me to do for you, he asked. They replied, let one of us sit at your right and and the other at your left in your glory. You don't know what you're asking, Jesus said. Can you drink the cup I drink or be baptized with the baptism I'm baptized with? We can, they answered. And Jesus said to them, You will drink the cup I drink and be baptized with the baptism I'm baptized with. But to sit at my right or my left is not for me to grant. These places belong to those for whom they have been prepared. When the ten who wished that they had thought of the idea about asking first heard about this, They became indignant with James and John. Jesus called them together and said, You know that those who are regarded as rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and their high officials exercise authority over them. Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you, and this is interesting because this is how so many of us think. Again, whether it's our secular career, or just in the eyes of others around us, we tend to think that we want to be great. Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first must be slave of all. Like, Do you hear that? Measure that for a moment against your priorities in life. Measure that against the way you spend your time. Measure that against the way you spend your money. What is your focus? Whoever wants to be great among you must be your servant, and whoever wants to be first must be slave of all. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve And to give his life as a ransom for many. And that's how I know that even though there's no story in the Bible about Jesus cleaning somebody up in a washroom. That that's what he would do. I don't have a doubt. Because when given an opportunity... Like the cross, Jesus became the slave of all. And we want to minister in the way of Jesus. Are you ready to be the slave of all? Let's pray. Lord Jesus, it is not—it's um, not easy for us to pattern ourselves after you. There are things that stand in the way: our pride, our worldliness, our own uh, selfish pleasures our own desires, our desires to be great, our desires to have others think highly of us. We want status. We want things. We want a life of ease. These things are so attractive to us, God. And maybe especially in our, in our capitalistic society, these things just, they, they compel us more than you do. But help us as people who say that we follow you first. Help us to be willing to be slaves of all. And, and break us down where you need to. And break our hearts and break our priorities. Break apart those things that would lead us in another direction than this. And help us to just serve you. In the name of Jesus we pray. Amen.